Hey everybody, welcome to We Got the Beat, where we discuss the teen movies of the 80s and beyond. My sister is not going to be part of this episode, it's a special, additional episode, where we're discussing the karate kid with my friend Rob. How's it going, Rob? Hey, what's going on? We uh, we discussed doing Karate Kid 1 and 2, and you know what? I'm in a good mood today. I had no shitty customers, I've had a lot of fucking sugar in my body. Let's do the whole franchise. Fuck it, let's go! Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> wait, wait, wait! As far as as far as the franchise, are we counting the remake? We can. We just talk about the whole thing now, mind no, you. No, no, don't no, don't no, do any spoilers. No, no, I, no, no I, I mean, I'd rather not because fuck okay, because it's not really it's, it's not really a teen movie. He's like ten years old, so I didn't want to count that. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I, before right. you give any spoilers, I'm only up to episode five of Cobra Kai. So, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I won't I won't say anything. All right, Karate Kid. I still remember what theater I saw it at. What was playing next door? Who I went with? <laughs> I don't wow. remember the day, but I remember going to Quimby Theater with my dad, and the movie playing next door was Muppets Take Manhattan. Oh, classic. I think at the time I was a little upset when we were walking in. I was like, hey, I'd rather see Muppets Take Manhattan. My dad's like, no, we're not going to go see that. Karate Kid, okay, whatever. And after that, becoming a nut. Like, for some reason, I thought I was a karate expert just because I watched this one movie. <laughs> and my dad just I, like, I, no, I, stop it. Stop kicking me. Stop punching it. <laughs> I think I think everybody, that, that, the Karate Kid had that effect on everybody after seeing it for the first time. Like, you just thought you were a karate master, like, trying to do the crane kick. <laughs> that was every kid after watching this movie. I think, if I remember correctly, I got a special package right before Part 2 came out where it came with... Um, the little drum that you rolled, uh, the headband, and then a Karate Kid t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember, uh, I mean, I, I don't think it was movie licensed, but I remember having that little uh, drum, uh, what my mom did as, as a kid, you know. The, it was kind of like, you know, she was into, like, you know, the stuff from the Orient. So, so she would have, like, you ever see, like, those porcelain masks? Yeah, yeah. Faces? Uh-huh. Yeah, like my mother used to have those all the time, like on the wall. Like those were her. Like she she had the statue of Buddha on the mantelpiece, and uh, she would have like those. Little, and also like the fans, like the the uh, where you fan yourself, the Chinese fans. Yeah, I think we like, had one of know. those too. I can't remember. I feel like yeah. we had one. Yeah, so I, re- I definitely remember uh, the the little drum, and of course, being a fan of Karate Kid too, I would sit there. Where's where's my drum? I don't know. <laughs> well, this is this is the start of that whole fascination with the East that we started having with uh, Shogun. I, I want to say that's like the first time it really broke through to the mainstream. And we had the Challenge yeah. and uh, Bushido Blade. We had like all these little movies about it, but this is the first one where it was really taking elements of that, but bringing it over to America. That mysticism without making it too hoity-toity, you know, and too stuffy. Because, yeah. well, who is... They were going to have Toshiro Mifune, right? Before they... Uh, yes. That, I don't think yes. it would have worked. Because he doesn't have that soft, gentle teacher thing to him. That's, that, yeah, that's exactly why he didn't get the part, was because of that. Because uh, they, they needed someone softer, and he was like, you know, he played... Like, he, he, they said his version of Miyagi was good, but he was like that strict, almost scary kind of like teacher which they felt wouldn't work and you know i would have loved to have seen it but uh they obviously made the right decision because i can't imagine anybody but pat morita the late great pat morita as miyagi 
Which is so strange because the only thing I know from him is those first few seasons of Happy Days, and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. this. Right, I, I think that was a, 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 a point of contention with, with the studio when they when they cast him. Like, you mean the dude from Happy Days? Like, you know, like that's who you chose to play the teacher? It's like, no, no, it's going to be great. And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> <You> know? <laughs> and yeah, he got an Oscar nomination for it, which is shocking to me that it did nothing for his career. Not really, because you usually get an Oscar nomination and things are set for you for like the next decade. And what do you have yes. after this? The, besides this franchise, uh, O'Hara, which was on for one season, and then uh, um, was it Cruise Control? No, what's the what? Collision Course with uh, Jay Leno? Yes. Um, oh yeah. And I think he did a movie yeah. with the kid from Caddyshack. You know, the one from My Bodyguard, um, Chris Makepeace. Yeah. Um, yeah. Captive Hearts. So that's all I remember. And then he just faded away. Yeah, he, he did a. He also did a shitload of uh, director video movies. Uh, I, I think he wasn't he in uh, American Ninja Five. We do not. We never speak of American Ninja Five. La 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 la. <laughs> well, see, see, here's the thing: it's definitely it's not even an American Ninja. But they just slapped American Ninja Five on it. Like <laughs> it's like you're not fooling anybody. <laughs> yeah, it's three ninjas uh, spinoff more than an American Ninja spinoff. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's just kind of a bummer how his career ended. But this this is an interesting movie because a lot of these guys faded away except for Elizabeth Shue. Yeah, the uh, Elizabeth Shue. What, 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 I know, I know. I uh, I dated someone in college who looked just like her, but with brown hair, and it never never ceases to amaze me how closely they looked alike. Right. Oh, that must have been amazing. Except she was uh, crazy and she tortured my existence. <laughs> she tortured oh, my God. existence from 1996 until about three weeks ago, where I couldn't take it anymore. Uh, I take that back. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. She would call me drunk, high, just like all this random just bullshit coming out of her head. And as the years would go on, she'd become more like full of herself. And uh, Yeah. And then one, I think, what, four years ago, she emailed me out of nowhere or, or Facebook messaged me out of nowhere saying that she loved me and that she wanted to run away with me and leave her husband. And I was like, what the fuck? You're messing with me uh, again, no. you crazy woman. And uh, yeah, so, huh. so oh, I get I see Elizabeth Shue, I get a little bit of pain, but also I love Elizabeth Shue, so it's really hard. Right, right. Like, I, I discovered Elizabeth Shue first because I saw um, uh, Adventures in Babysitting before I saw Karate Kid. Uh, remember, I was born in '84 when the movie came out, so I didn't catch it later, later in the video. But uh, yeah, like you know, Elizabeth Shue, like you know, Adventures in Babysitting. Then back to the Future Then when I eventually saw karate kid and i'm just like oh lord i mean she's still she's still you know just absolute beautiful woman yeah i mean well she was in piranha about 10 years ago and she was a pretty badass hero and she was in hamlet 2 and stuff like that i feel like she still pops up here and there she is in a really fucking phenomenal movie with thomas hayden church which nobody saw it made like ten thousand dollars it's called don mckay and she is a femme fatale like you've never seen it is it's amazing performance Oh, I could imagine. I could imagine she is. Uh, yeah, when she was in Piranha too, like uh, she went full Linda Hamilton. Oh, Jesus Christ! Yeah, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Shue. I had no idea. <laughs> but but she's interesting because she uh, was such a like prolific uh, soccer player when she was young that they talked about yeah. her going pro that way, and they use a lot of it in this movie. But also her brother 
um, was the same thing. And remember, they tried to make Andrew Shue a movie star, and he didn't want anything to do yeah. with it. So he just quit the show, said no to Joel Silver. And it was like a $5 million contract for a movie. And he said, nah, I don't want to do this. And just now he teaches soccer or promotes soccer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, I know. He was on, uh, what was that, Melrose Place? I yeah. He was. Yeah, and then uh, that was it, you know. Yeah, I, I think, you know, she was definitely the, the the one that, you know, maintained the acting career out of the two of them. Right. Like, and Well, if you look at the whole cast, though, Ralph Macchio walked away and, and would sporadically act for a long time. And then... Uh, William Zabka, I don't know if he walked away or he's just harder for him to get work because it, get, it got pretty skimpy after the Shoot Fighter movies. Yeah, I, th- I think that's what, exactly what it was. I think, you know, typecasting really did him a disservice, you know. he Like, you know, y- your career is, is, you know, measured upon how you played the, the asshole. Yeah. And, like, these teen movies in the 80s. <laughs> well, he had that holy trilogy of Back to School, yeah. This, and um, Just One of the Guys. Just One of the Guys. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Zapka trilogy, as we like to call it. <laughs> now, I know that he went over and did a stint on The Equalizer. I've never seen the show, but I heard that he took that instead of taking some more movie roles because he wanted to portray himself as not a villain anymore. He was sick of it. Yeah, he played the son of uh, Robert McCall, uh, uh, Edward Woodward's character. I actually watched that show. I like the original Equalizer series. And uh, what happened was they were supposed to spin it off, like do a spinoff with his character, where like he takes up the mantle, and that just never, that that never happened. That's a bummer. Which is unfortunate. Yeah, I think that's why he. That's why there was a reason why he took that because he was waiting on that spinoff to come, which never did. Yeah, and it's it's nice. I'll say this briefly about the show is that neither one of them are pitted the way you think they would. Ralph Macchio is not, you know, Danielson is not pure of heart. You know, he's not the 100% no. white hero, and William Zabka is not the black villain. Uh, yes. They, they're very layered and textured. The show astounds me. There's still stuff I think is a little amateurish, and I think now that it's become the number one show in the world uh, on Netflix – that they're going to up the budget, I think, because I think it's it seems like it's uh, so far kind of claustrophobic. It keeps just going back to the same sets over and over, and it's it's I think constructive. Right, right, absolutely. So uh, hopefully now the Netflix is probably going to look at it and go, "Holy shit, we need to spend some more money on this." Yeah, totally. Um, uh, yeah, like the, the sh- I, I I realize that. Um, uh, the show, like, I mean, because so towards the end of the, the film franchise, uh, like, you know, with the, 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 of course, your favorite, the part three. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, he, he became grossly unlikable in that one. Yeah, well, I, like, I've always thought there was a different idea, and we'll talk about it when we get to part three, that I, a direction they should have gone, and I, when, I, when I saw part three, I was like, oh, no, this is not what I thought at all. Yeah, it's just a rich rate of the first one. And it's, it's like, you know, it, it kind of continues that unlikable nature that he has into Cobra Kai, you know, where it's like, you know, where, like, I see, I've seen takes where, like, people say, like, he's he's the villain of the show. Yeah, like, that's what my friend Andrew like says. Said. My co-host on Video yeah. Night, he says he's the asshole. He's the one who instigates all this stuff. And I was like, no, I think it's pretty level. Both of them are being kind of dicks. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're both assholes. You know, they they neither hero nor villain. They they're fully fleshed out people. You know, that there's no true hero or villain in this conflict between the two of them. 
which is which is you know how you should portray that sort of relationship. Yeah, know? and it's always this one up. They could have walked away. There's so many times they probably could have walked away and just ended this shit. But you know, once Danielson gets a uh, like Danielson, Daniel gets a break or whatever, he fucks it up. Mm-hmm. Like he had to take yeah. the hose into the Halloween party. That was a stupid mistake. Yeah, and I, I think it's just pride. You know. Like, yeah. You know, the, like even even Johnny even says it himself. Like you, you couldn't you couldn't leave it alone. Could you a little twerp? Yeah, you have to push it. Now you're gonna pay. How oh. iconic are those costumes? Those are terrifying. Oh, to me. I, Even now, as a, an yeah, adult, I'm still like that's unnerving. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that whole scene though is, is is probably my one of my favorite scenes. I can't. There, there's, it's hard to pinpoint like uh, a favorite one favorite scene because I love the movie on the whole. Uh, but that would be top, like you know, specifically the shot where like Dutch is holding Daniels, uh, so Johnny could basically do his kick of death because he's basically gonna kill Daniel at this point. As after they and you see Miyagi climbing the fence in the background on the creep like ninja style, almost, yeah. and it's just like I love that shot so much. Why is Mr. Miyagi there, by the way? He's at the school. I always thought they made it back to his property, and I don't know. I, I didn't watch the movie for a very long time. I just watched it now, and I was like, wait, is he at the school? Why is he? I don't get it. No, he, uh, Daniel ran back home. Did he? I, okay. Yeah. Yeah, he ran back home to the to the complex where he lived in. And remember, that's where Miyagi's workstation was at. Okay. It was, uh, like, in the back like that. So he was trying to climb over the fence. So obviously Miyagi was probably in his workstation. And he heard the commotion. He probably like, oh shit, they got they got Danielson, and you know, and he he waves through these kids in uh, seconds. Right, which, and I prefer which, this version uh, compared to the Jackie Chan fight, which I think is negligible at best because he's an adult and he's beating the shit out of these kids. <laughs> I mean, they're little <laughs> kids. He's not like being aw- uh, defense. He's playing offense. And in this one, they're they're much bigger. They're older. And Mr. Miyagi's yeah. small, so it, it plays better. When I saw that in a new version, I was like, oh, that was a terrible decision. You should not have done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, that's just a terrible movie. Like, uh, I've had... Uh... So many people, you know, like, oh, like, it's good. You got to give it a chance. And I remember I was just watching it. I'm like, what is this bullshit? Yeah, there's <laughs> bits and pieces I like. Who's his mom in the in the remake? She was uh, from Hustle Oh, uh, uh, Taraji P. Henson? Yeah, I thought she was fantastic. And she gets a lot more to do than the mom in the original Karate Kid, which she's thrown yeah. away a lot in this franchise. Actually, does she ever come back? I think she makes a phone call in the third one. Yeah, she 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 gets like basically a throwaway cameo in part three, where she she went back to New Jersey to take care of uh, the ailing uncle. So like they're basically just like yeah, get her out, get out of the way. Like she's not even in part two. Yeah. She's like oh, my mom said I could go with you to, to Okinawa, and like that's that's how they get her out of the movie. Well, then, then they also ditch Elizabeth Shue, but they don't even have a cameo from her. He's just like he comes back. He's like, yeah, the summer hasn't been too great. I got rid of her. You know, we were having these fights about stupid shit or whatever. And then they go off to Okinawa, and you're like, well, well, I guess they wrote her out. <laughs> right. Like, oh yeah, she she dumped him from some uh, football player at the prom. Is I think what happened. Yeah. And, uh, Which I don't. She buy. fell in love with the. Yeah, which is like, oh lord, like, just just completely just demonize Ally, like right, that. yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> I remember um, uh, uh, my buddy uh, Mac, uh, who who is my co-host on uh, the Action Junkies, 
he he rewatched Karate Kid not too long ago, and he found an intense dislike of Ali. Like uh, the 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 scene where like after uh, you know Daniel sees her dancing with uh, Johnny, and like you know they had the big motion and he runs off, and uh, like he he finds her at the arcade, and um, he's like he's trying to apologize and she's upset like. After he watched it, he called me. He was like, uh, "Like, yo, I just watched the Karate Kid. It was a great movie." He's like, "Yeah, I know, but when when he goes to find his girl, why is she upset?" And it's like, "There's no reason. There's no reason, right?" And I'm like, "There's no reason for her to be upset. Like, she's upset for no reason." He's like, "Yeah, the fucking bitch. I knew." <laughs> I I almost wonder if they edited something out because it does seem like a big jump in emotions. Because the person who should have been upset is this after he backed up and ran into the guy at the restaurant and got covered in spaghetti. Yes, yes. Yeah, so you think now he has a reason to be upset because he saw her. Now, he didn't understand the context, of course, because Johnny was the the aggressor. But, um, yeah, I I don't get why. I feel like there was a scene that was trimmed out of there that explained her um, uncomfortability. But, you know, to be fair, Daniel really did push her buttons. And he was always flying off the handle. But her excuse that they use, or the excuse they use for them breaking up, seems wrong because in order to keep her from being demonized they should have been like well we just we're we're taking a break from each other because we're just not getting along or whatever not she fell for some jock because that's exactly the opposite of what just happened in the first movie duh (laughs) right she 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 literally dumps the uh dumps the jock to be with him and then she just kind of dumped him for another jock like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. This is a pretty nice picture you're painting of poor Allie over here. Thanks a lot, Robert Mark Kamen. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is, I think it's so strange that... I, oh, we'll get to it. I, I want to jump to three so bad right now, but I'll hold off. I'll hold off. <laughs> um, but, uh, fuck it. Um... Robert Mark Kamen and John G. Avildsen and the same cast, how is it all those guys got together and did a really good job of the first two and the third one? They're like, nah, let's just derail this thing as, as bad as possible. I almost feel like it had to be studio interference. Yeah, like, I, I, I believe it was. Like, they, they wanted another one because, uh, you know, the first two were monster hits. Like, just absolute, just money machines. Like, I, I know Robert Mark Kamen said that uh, like the weekend the first one opened, that he got a call from the studio it was like, we need another one. So, which led to him writing Karate Kid 2, and that, of course, was a monster smash. So they was like, all right, we, we want a third one. And they were like, no, we don't want to do a third one. You know, like, uh, I know Ralph Macho definitely didn't want to do a third one. Because, like, you know, I'm like, dude, I'm tired of playing teenagers, you know. You know, like, I mean, he's, Obviously, it's like a gift and a curse. Like, he has this youthful appearance, you know, which is a good thing. But then it's like, okay, he, you know, they keep trying to get him to play teenage roles where he's like, you know, I want to do more adult stuff. But uh, I think they was just like, we'll give you guys a shitload of money. Just give us a third one. And it's just everybody's going through the motions. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and yeah. here's the thing is... Um... It gave him the opportunity to do some other movies. I know The Outsiders is what really broke him, but The Karate Kid allowed him to do some other movies. You know, like, I I really love Crossroads, and um, he's great in Teachers, even though he's only a small part of that. Uh, Distant Thunder, I don't know if you've ever seen that with him and John Lithgow. I've heard of it, but I have not seen it. That one's really good. Uh, John Lithgow comes back from Vietnam, but he's never 
the same way. So he right. disconnects himself. He runs away from his family. He just lives in the woods. And he decides on his son's graduation from high school, uh, which that's weird. If he had a problem playing high school students, that was 1988. <laughs> um, right. That he was uh, he's going to try to connect with him again after all those years away. And it's just their relationship being torn apart. And then they have this crazy Red Brown living out there, too, who wants to kill people. And it's, it's a it's thriller, but it's a drama as well. But... Um, the Karate Kid movies I, I could, allowed him to do those. I could, I, I could see why the, the like your description is like I could see probably why he wanted to do that one because that one is very, you know, good, good story. Yeah. So like as a, as an actor, you know, it's like of course you know that's the that's the role you want to take. And Crossroads as well, like Crossroads is very great, you know, dramatic, you know, story, you know, like battle between good and evil, almost like. Especially the end too. Like uh, I cannot say good enough about that confrontation. Yeah, yeah. I can't. Uh, that, I can't wait to uh, discuss that for the show. Um, yeah, that that guitar battle was just yeah. chef's kiss. But uh, maybe also he could see there's a tone shift. I think, and I, I always say that. Oh, parts uh, part three is just insanely over the top. But then if you go back and you'll see elements planted there in the first two, like. Johnny is fairly well contained as a villain, but all his friends around him, especially at the end, put him in a body bag, Johnny. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and the yeah, villain was, too. And, and the villain yeah. in the second movie is a little big, and so you can kind of see it coming. So I wonder if Ralph Macchio saw that and he said, "This is going to turn into like an over-the-top cartoon," which it did turn right. into a cartoon. I forgot. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 it did. It totally did. Which uh, his, I, I remember that cartoon. His look was based off uh, his look in Karate Kid Two, which I found like you know, like it's based off the first one. But uh, it went with his look in Karate Kid Two, which uh, you know I thought it was uh, cool. But uh, like oh, whatever. Yeah, it's just when you think about it, the first one there's there's the levels they hit in each one. So this one is just about surviving high school. The second one is about literally life and death. And the third one, and I'm going to tell you what my idea of where I wanted it to go, and I can't believe I even had this idea as a child, but, um, like, say, and I can't, mm, the fact that they have to be back-to-back-to-back is what screws it, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Because I by then, he should have been in college. And I thought it would be really interesting yeah. if there was a, a, something bad that happened on campus and that affected him emotionally, and he separated from Mr. Miyagi, uh so they don't have that bond as tightly uh, wound as before. And then he does have a new mentor, but it's it's an older student there at the college who starts a secret vigilante force to stop these crimes on the campus. And he thinks he's doing really good, and then it just goes too far. Now, mind you, at the time, I didn't know the movie Brotherhood of Justice or uh, Dangerously Close existed. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that kind of plot where Daniel thinks he's doing something good and he gets caught up in this this vigilante team or whatever – and then he has to, have, you know, kind of pull away from that, but they won't really let him. But that was the idea I had when I was a kid, because I was like, when I saw Part Three, I was like, this is the same as the first one, except the villain's insane, just fucking insane. Oh yeah, uh, Mike Barnes. Uh, and I like Thomas uh, Ian Griffith, or yeah, Thomas Ian Griffith, but that's yeah, yeah. that's not what oh, I know of him. Oh, oh my god, uh, Terry Silva is probably like I know a lot of people who talk about like you know. Favorite on-screen villains, of course, you got Hans Gruber, you got Darth Vader, you got Shooter McGavin, but I, I truly believe Terry Silver deserves that because he is absolute the pinnacle of villainy. Like, like the demand. Like, I, I love the scene where uh, he he's con- like he just, he finishes conducting uh, like 
like what does he do? He he, he dumps toxic waste for a living. Like I didn't even know that was like a profession. Like, <laughs> well, if like, you watch Men at you're, Work, you're, apparently it was. <laughs> yeah, like you're you're a professional toxic waste dumper, you know. And then like he's sitting there conducting the deal as he's trying to pick the car that he's going to use for his character. Cute but wrong. Okay, but this is the last deal I'm conducting. From now on, my business is strictly revenge. Like who the fuck talks like that? I know, I know. So well, what my favorite part is I want to see his hands bleed, which is a callback to the uh, beginning of part too but yeah. he's just like oh I like that I like that a lot oh yeah with that cackle <laughs> and it's just like oh my god you are just like all he needed was like one of those cartoon mustaches to twirl yeah I mean there's some perfect. stuff that works when he comes to meet Miss Miyagi and apologize and he says that um, shit what was Martin Cove's character again John Kreese John Kreese, he says that John Kreese died or whatever, and I, it's kind of yeah. convincing. He seems to be there for noble reasons. And when he's teaching Daniel, like when he punch it harder, harder, and you can see the twist behind the eyes, but he's not playing it yeah. big, but he knows that he's he's, he's uh, basically destroying everything that Mr. Miyagi taught Daniel. Um, those right, scenes right. work. But it's like, uh, what what's this, Sean Cannon is the bad guy in the third yeah. one? Uh, I'm yeah, not, Mike Barnes. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, Mike, that's his name. Okay, uh, I wasn't buying it. He was terrible. He's a good martial artist, but he's a terrible, over-the-top actor. Even more so than Tom C. and Griffith in some points. Um, oh yeah, he's just but, like just absolutely furiously just angry. Like just it is insane. Yeah, but but it, the biggest problem is it's like Beverly Hills Cop Three. Your star clearly doesn't want to be there doesn't give a shit and it looks like he he's so out of shape i just not buying it yeah yeah totally like he, he ralph macho could, could not care less you know the, he, he's just absolutely he's completely checked out you know this it, this was strictly a, a give me my check you know yeah. at the end of the day kind of movie <laughs> you know and it's like uh you know, and it's like when you have like you know Martin Cove is still you know giving an effort. Uh, Pat Morita is still giving an effort. You know, everybody around him is giving an effort, but he's just like I don't care. Yeah, I and really well, I mean, he was care. 27 at the time. He's supposed to be playing an 18 year old, which I that flummoxes me because in a five year gap, the movies haven't moved. Like okay, the Rocky movies. They were all streamlined like this, you know. John G. Alvinson mm-hmm. clearly saw what Stallone was doing and took that formula, and but at the yeah. end when they connect, there's still a gap. So years progress. I I cannot believe. Am I supposed to literally buy? It's been one year from parts one to part three. Yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, this uh, is absurd. Right, and like, like he he go like literally part three opens with them coming back from Okinawa. And it's like, like, how long was he there? Like, the man was eight years. Like, and he was supposed to be there for, like, what, a couple months? And it's just like, like, he, like, you know, it's one of those instances where it's like, okay, well, you got to lose weight. And he's like, I'm not fucking. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Never mind. Are you even going to stretch? <laughs> nah, fuck it. <laughs> right. And it, the, the, the most amazing thing is that he's actually older than Thomas Ian Griffith. He's playing no. a Vietnam veteran. <laughs> he was playing that's right he was playing a Vietnam vet I knew he was way too young to be doing that but he was actually younger than Ralph Macho that's nuts yeah I think he's about like a couple months to a year younger than Ralph Macho wow and, and he was playing like he's supposed to be like probably like a decade or two older than him you know and it's like 
I mean, Martin Cove could kind of pull it off, but the, the, the Thomas Ian Griffith, no. No, absolutely not. Thomas Ian Griffith was baby-faced. You know, like, like I mean, like, I love him in the movie, but I'm not buying that conversation. Like, uh, oh, I don't owe you? How many times did you save my ass in Vietnam, huh? How many? And it's like, no. No, yeah. he did not. He was not saving you in Vietnam. Cut it the fuck out. You know, if you were if you were to take him like when he was just a little bit older and like excessive force, I don't know what happened yeah. in four years, but he looks so much older in excessive force. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just uh, with excessive force. Um, yeah, like uh, I don't know, maybe it's just a makeup thing, but uh, I mean, like he is playing a hard edged cop. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah, you know, he's dealing with gangs in there, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, maybe it's just you know performance acting because John C. Griffith is a damn good actor. Yeah, I, I love some like, of his stuff he did. He's another one of those like Mark Cascos who had an opportunity and it just didn't work out. And after that, he made right. these. They all went straight to video or barely got released. But I think he did a very good job. He's still giving his uh, best effort in a lot of this stuff. Like, um, what's the one with him and Tia Carrere, Donald Sutherland, and John Lithgow? I really like that one. Oh shit! Hollow um, Point is it called Hollow Point? Yes, 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 that's it. That's yeah, it, that's I it. thought that was a riot, and that kind of saved his career. Then he did, uh, like, a Call the Conqueror and Vampires, but then it started to fade away again. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, like, he, there was a window where it was like he was he was making really good movies. It just weren't getting, you know... Like, Excessive Force was the one that uh, was poised to make him, like, I guess the, the the type of action star that Seagal and Van Damme right were. yeah every studio had one of those guys and I think New Line Cinema was like this is our guy oh crap it didn't work never mind yeah yeah, yeah totally like the, the, the 90s were flooded with those kind of guys you know the difference with Ian Griffith was that uh, he he was not only a, a, a better actor than a lot of those guys were but he was also a very good writer because he, he wrote Excessive Force and he wrote the uh, uh, ulterior motives which is another good movie that he did and uh i know he wrote uh night of the warrior with lorenzo lamas which is a really good kind of like uh underground kickboxing tournament slash film noir kind of thing the that, that was really decent film uh and yeah it's just it's a shame that he wasn't able to catapult that yeah i think i told you i think we talked about this before but did you know he was chosen to be in Superman Five, like Christopher Reeve purposely. Yeah. Cho- yeah, okay, we talked about this before. Okay, yeah, that could have been yeah, another yeah, opportunity did. for him, but it didn't work out. Yeah, the, that that one I never knew until you told me. I never knew that story, and I was like, Jesus Christ, that would have been amazing. Yeah, but um, with the Karate Kid, like I, I really think with the level they moved up with the second one, like you know the danger, but also the fact that they up the budget, so they have an exotic location. You get to see Mr. Miyagi's story. The, the problem with part three is that there's no more there's no more story being given it, it, and they're separated and that's the best they can offer us and there's a, yet another new girlfriend and she has to be the dullest of the three and I even like her she's the one from Teedwitch I can't remember her name Lively Robin Lively Robin Lively yeah Robin Lively yeah. but she's given nothing to work with I think I think of the uh, apparent I, there's conflicting reports is that uh, I remember reading was that um uh, I believe it was one of the ones was that Ralph Macchio just, you know, because she was fairly close to the age she was supposed to be playing, and he felt it was either he felt that that was just wrong to, like, have this girl playing his girlfriend, or his wife was kind of like, I don't want you, you know, 
something and nooking up with some almost teenage girl. Yeah, okay. Like, you know, who's just who's just barely out of her teens, and it was just like it, they're just made it. Oh, we're 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 just gonna be friends. We're not boyfriend and girlfriend. We're just we're just friends. And it's like, so why even why why is she even here? Yeah, just so exactly. Just to have like a female companion, like there's no sense for her to be there. Like she's not gonna be. I mean, like, I don't want to make it seem like, you know, she's, like, kind of, like, trophy prize because, you know, obviously, you know, you can be, have male, female friends, you know, kind of stuff. But it's just, like, she serves no purpose at all. What would have been like, interesting than, is what if he had a family member come out and stay with him or he had a cousin he hadn't seen? You know, and somehow keep the bond of, you know, the, the, the since his mother's no longer in the picture, you still have the bond between right. him and Miss Miyagi, but now you have another family member because he, he was the only child. They, they could have done something like that. I yeah. I, I, what I what I think of is is probably the laziness of the script, where it's like, okay, you don't want her to be a girlfriend, so instead of taking the time to rewrite it to like something like that, maybe like a family member, like a cousin or or a friend, like you know, like you know, from the old neighborhood, something like that. They just oh, let's just writing a a, a line where oh, duh, we're just going to be friends. We're not going to be boyfriend and girlfriend. But, like, just, just keep her there because I don't feel like writing anything else. Right. I mean, they could have even made it complicated. Like, yeah, she is from the old neighborhood, and she's not used to Daniel being all California, you know, uh, you know, what do you want to call it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Californiaized? Is that a, that's not a word. But, you know, <laughs> so but she still has that New York attitude and, and, and kind of style or whatever, and it kind of conflicts with what's going on there. Maybe she gets into trouble and... and, and uh, that would have been the best I mean, way I mean, to move on. Holy shit! Instead of I, I Ra- think, instead I, of Daniel, I she becomes a new student. Right. I think I think we're officially giving more thought into this than Robert Marquis. I know. <laughs> I know. But that's. I think some of those seeds, though, obviously, are in part four. I don't hate part four. I actually like part four better than part three. But there's no budget on part four. They're clearly like, well, we made a lot of toy money and a lot of cartoon money and stuff like this off the third one, so. Maybe there's still some life left. Right. And it's just like, you know, and obviously, you know, we we all know how great an actress Hilary Swank is. And uh, Pat Morita obviously could play this role in his suite, but it's like, uh, this, this, uh, I mean, I was, I I would give you that. It's, it's, it's slightly better than part three, you know, as far as, you know, storytelling, Part three is just great for just the wrong reasons. Like it's just like you know, just laughably, just like oh, Jesus Christ, what is this? But uh, it's just it, there. There is no. It's almost soulless. Uh, yeah, it, it does thing. seem like it's a. It's the only thing I say is they move it forward with the danger levels, the the fact that it's now a fish out of water kind of uh, odd couple thing going. But um, mm-hmm. and, and I love Michael Ironside. But yeah. I almost wonder if Karate Kid Three haven't hadn't opened in the middle of summer against you know some of the biggest movies you've ever seen. Eighty nine was just like a slaughterhouse for any of the lower oh, end movies. God. And yeah. I mean, in the summer that James Bond can tank, you know you're in trouble. Um, oh yeah. But if Karate Kid hadn't come out then, like say it came out for spring break of eighty nine, and you know made a lot more money. I think it made like thirty one million or something like that. And, you know, it had been like 60, 70, maybe something like that. Because it's still not a great movie. And I don't think it would have done anywhere nearly as well as the first two. But do you think they would have been like, well, let's uh, have Daniel Sun come back. He's like, sweet Jesus, you can't call a karate kid anymore. <laughs> well, we call the Beach right. Boys. They're, they're in their 50s. So, ah, oh, shit. 
<laughs> yeah, might as well call him the Karate Man, but it's yeah. the same ring. Right? <laughs> I don't know. It's just you know, uh, like you know, you see their intentions with the next Karate Kid. You know, obviously, you know, Ralph Macchio is probably like, fuck no, no, no. Oh come on, just no, no. Get 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 the fuck out from in front of my house. <laughs> I am not playing Daniel for a fourth time. You could forget it. So it's like, all right, so we're gonna do the next Karate Kid. It's gonna be a girl, and it's just like, you know, like they obviously they were thinking about it, but um, Robert. I don't even think Robert Markman wrote it either. No, it was Christopher Kane. And see, that's another problem with yeah. the part four is that not only is it shot flatly, there's no vision to it yes. whatsoever, but it's shot in Canada, and it has like the cheap fog filter they had on a lot of Canadian movies in the early '90s. It doesn't look good. Right. The action sequences aren't set up very well. And Christopher Kane, yes, he did the first uh, Young Guns. Guess what? Young Guns, it doesn't. It's not. That's not why it was successful. The way it looked, it's successful because of the cast and the writing. Like John Fusco's Absolutely. script was great, but Christopher Kane does not have an eye. That's why the second one is fucking rad. Yeah. Jeff Murphy knew yeah, it. Yeah, yes, yes. Like you, you, you would be hard pressed to find someone who thinks. Uh, the first Young Guns is better than the second one. Yeah, uh, I, I I'm one of those people. Like, yeah, I, uh, I I definitely prefer Young Guns too. Like Christopher Kane, uh, uh, who's I think what the the dad or stepdad of Dean Kane. So yeah, he's like, oh, the God. adopted dad. Yeah, yeah, like oh God, that that's your that's your that's your son right there. <laughs> like like good going. That's your legacy right there. This fucking prick. <laughs> But um, like yeah, like it's so like just devoid of energy, you know. Like even the fight scenes like are obviously choreographed uh, a lot more aggressively, so you would think that would work. But he just shoots it in such a just boring manner. Like whereas uh, John G. Alveson, you know, he like the way he covers these fights, you know, he lets them breathe and you know, yeah, like it's just like you know. Just absolute, just energy. Like obviously, you know, saying the man shot the first Rocky, so you know he knows what he's doing. He knows he knows how to craft a, a entertaining fight scene, and you know he knows how to tell a story. You know, what I'm saying so those fight scenes are more exciting. With next Karate Kid, it's just no. Yeah, it's just uh, I was looking at this. I can't I cannot believe the budget on. If you were ask me uh, before I looked at this, I thought the budget on Karate Kid three or Karate Kid four was maybe four or five million at most. Twelve million dollars. Mm-hmm. Where'd that twelve million dollar yeah. go? <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it, it went. Uh, it, it definitely didn't go into like making this look better because. This looks like crud. Yeah, like it looks like very. It looks very TV movie. Yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say. It looked like if you were to tell me that it was the next uh, TBS original production, I'd be like, yeah, sure. No, yeah, yeah, I definitely believe it. I definitely believe that this was like, uh, like something that um, ABC Family produced or something. <laughs> it definitely doesn't look like a theatrical feature. Oh, here uh, I'm looking at it right now. So the first movie made uh, ninety million dollars. The second one made one hundred and fifteen million dollars. I saw that in the theater too. Yeah. Um, my dad worked for a newspaper, and they had like a couple days a year where they would rent out a movie theater, and anybody who worked for them could go see it for free. And nice. uh, we went and saw a Karate Kid too, and that place was packed. And man, did it sell! Uh, the third one made thirty-eight point nine million dollars, which is still—that's why they did a four because that's still a decent amount of money. Right, right, right. Totally. Like you know, thirty, thirty. Um, what was it? Uh, how much again? Thirty-eight point nine. Yeah, that was that's uh that was some. 
I mean, it's like like obviously a lot lower than you know big come down from part two's versus, but the you know that's that's, that's still a pretty big in nineteen eighty nine dollars. That's still a nice chunk of change. Yeah, I'm gonna look. I want to see what it opened up against because here's the thing: is the budget was lower for part three, so whatever money they offered them. Uh, clearly went to the cast and not to the budget because the, the second one right. cost thirteen million dollars. How do you make how do you make a thirteen million dollar movie that makes one hundred and fifteen in America, not international, and then go yeah let's fuck them over on the third one. Let's give them no budget. Let's keep it in this stupid studio warehouse. Right, right. I, I think they just they like you know it was it was the same thing with uh, uh, Indiana Jones where it's just like you know they they kind of wanted to like with the third one go back to like you know. The, the first one and like rep- try to replicate uh, like what made you know the first one such a such a classic and popular and it's like but unlike the Indiana Jones series like they just really dropped the ball yeah <laughs> okay so this is what it opened up against one week earlier Batman and Honey I Shrunk the Kids do the right uh, thing so that's why I got slaughtered there's just no way Oh no 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 no! Forget it. You open uh, after Batman. Forget yeah, it. Yeah, and then the next week, Lethal Weapon two. Oh, they got fucked. <laughs> yeah. They got fucked bad. Like oh, sandwich between because like uh, oh my god, like Batman. I, even I remember Batman. I remember seeing that on Eighty Fourth Street with my dad and. That was unforgettable experience. Like you know, even I was five years old, and I remember like just everybody had bat. It was Batmania. Everybody had Batman fever. So like, like anything opening against Batman, you got fucked. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I'm looking at this. If it had opened at spring break, there was no competition. This was such a stupid idea. It, came, it would have opened up against Nine Seven Six Evil, Dead Bang, and Troop Beverly Hills. How do oh, you yeah. not open it this? Was- <laughs> oh. Yeah, you would. They would have creamed that inch shit because nobody, nobody saw nine seven six evil. Uh, you would, you would have, you would have made uh, a much bigger uh, mint over there. But uh, I guess they was like, oh well, they they think, you know, like like Karate Kid two made a shitload of money, so they think like, oh, this is going to be our summer blockbuster, and it's like, but th- that was like kind of three years prior. Yeah, also, you know, did you not sense in the air that Batmania was going to be... Every, I mean, every from a, like a year before that, everybody started going crazy about Batman. You saw all this merch, all the shirts, and the posters, and advertisements everywhere. They had to have mm-hmm. smelled and gone, No, nah, we're going to stick to it anyway, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, they, they, yeah. I mean, um, Sony has proven themselves to not be very bright nope. when it comes to putting out movies. Yeah, I don't know a studio that is fucked up more often than Columbia Pictures. Oh, yeah. They, they, they fucked themselves over a lot. Like, a lot. Like, I, I, like out of all the major uh, studios releasing movies, I think Sony Columbia transfer the whole section is just a Yeah. Part. To this day, I'm still like, you're going to open Starship Troopers right before Thanksgiving? Instead of the summer where you originally had it planned, yeah, that makes sense. Good going. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. Like the fuck are you doing, man? <laughs> I feel like everything has to be a tax write-off. For who owned them at the time? Was it Coca-Cola? Was it before Sony owned them? Uh, the, uh, um, I think uh, they they owned them for a while in the eighties, and then uh, I think 
the the disaster of uh, Ishtar caused them to sell. Yeah, I can uh, see that uh, totally. The, the Coca Cola, yeah. Oh, and I think Ishtar. did they also do uh, Leonard Part Six the same summer? Oh yeah! Holy fuck! Did this grow up? <laughs> <laughs> Leonard Part Six. Remember, like they, they didn't they also put out uh, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night, the first one. Yeah, you're right. They did a negative pickup on that, and then they dumped it after a week because of the negative press. <laughs> They're not smart. <laughs> no, not really. No. But uh, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. The, 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 to go back to say that was actually the, the wrong decision because uh, Saturday Night Deli Night was poised to make a shitload of money. Like, because I know, like, when they did open it, it actually was beating Nightmare on Elm Street because it opened like right around the same time. And because of the protest, they decided to pull it, and it was like, no, you should have left it. You would have made a shitload of money to yeah. protest what drove the grosses up, you dicks. And then they went and put all their money behind uh, a movie I actually like, but it, it bombed horribly. It was called Runaway with Tom Selleck. Oh, I love that movie so yeah, much. Yeah, but they decided to open it up against Star Trek Three. Morons! <laughs> Like, yeah, like, the, the, the more we talk, the more we realize how fucking idiotic they are. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> but they really did destroy uh, the Karate Kid franchise. They could have gone a different direction. If Ralph Macchio didn't want to play a high school student anymore, you find a way to evolve it. Like, in one way or another. Yeah. You have to move on to college, or maybe he helps uh, open a small studio with um, Mr. Miyagi. Something. But to go back yeah. and say, hey, we're going to expect everybody to believe this paunchy kid with sunken eyes who clearly has just spent all his time just hanging out with his wife and kid at home <laughs> is going to be still in yeah. high school and he's going to be the champion. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, like, here, here's the thing. Here's another, here's another thing about uh, um, fucking, uh, oh, shit, hold on one second. Hey, Mike, you still there? Yeah, I'm there. I'm here. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, I had a phone call. Oh, oh, okay. I think you I forgot someone's name, and you're like, the uh, person the, who... Uh... No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, that, that, I, I, just, I just had a phone call, so I had to, I had to end it real quick. I, oh, okay. Um, where, where was I? Uh, you, were just, you were talking about the third one, the problem with... And then we're, I think we're talking about the fact that Ralph Macho clearly... He's also... He's not even training. That's why I'll give credit to Hillary Swank. You know she was yeah. hungry for that role, and that she put yeah, her yeah, time yeah. and effort into being fit and pulling off those action sequences. Yeah, absolutely, I, I, absolutely. You know, like I know they they gave her honorary pink belt for the training that she conducted because she learned all the flashy moves without learning the basics of karate. Oh, okay. So like they gave like I guess to make her like you know feel feel important, they gave her honorary pink belt. <laughs> But um, oh yeah, yeah. Now I remember my point. Um, uh, another thing that pisses me off about Karate Kid Three is that, like, they changed the rules so that he only has to fight once. Yeah, that was bullshit. Kid. That sounded like I don't really want to do this. Can you change the script, son of a bitch? We ever think funny yeah, like, No. Yeah, like you know, because obviously, it's like you said, he he didn't train. He he wasn't going to be trained. He didn't want to train. So it's like, all right, just put it to, like, I only have to fight once. But it's like, it makes no sense as far as competition. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you're what everybody has fought throughout the day, you know, to get to this point, And you're all well-rested. Yeah, that sounds like a know? ringer kind of move. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that absolutely makes no fucking sense. Yeah, that sounds like so some good. shit they pulled in Digstown. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. What a fucking just nightmare. <laughs> my reference. My oh. references are so nerdy. They have references. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. It is great, yeah. Um, that, that's all I can really say. At least it doesn't end with a CGI enhanced and backwards flip to the... Fo- he still breaks the rules. You can't kick him in the face. <laughs> what the fuck? Right. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, how do you just replicate that fucking, like, you know, that goof? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, the Karate Kid franchise. Well, at least... Cobra Kai is looking to... Yeah, it looks good. I, I can't wa- I yeah. can't wait to watch more. I was thinking of waiting until I finished the season two, but I'm like, wait, they renewed it for another season, so there's never really going to be an end, hopefully, uh, for years. Yeah. I, I hope there's a lot of great story they can mine out of this. And the fact that they've expanded the cast is a brilliant idea. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Okay, well, that is it for this episode. Anything you want to plug before we go? Uh, of course. Um, uh, of course, uh, you can find me as the Cinema Drunkie on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, uh, as well as my my uh, numerous reviews that I've written for ultimateactionmovies.com, actionflix.com, uh, my blog, thecinemadrunkie.wordpress.com. Uh, I'd like to promote uh, my, my friend Candy's uh, show, uh, The House of Screams, as well as uh, my friend uh, Cameron's show, the Jacked Up Review show, which I, I guess, you know, frequently on. I'm a permanent panel member on uh, House of Screams, as well as a frequent guest on Jack the Review Show, um, as well as my upcoming uh, podcast, The Action Drunkies. Uh, we, we're, we're lining up episodes right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be on it. Do I have to get drunk in order to do it? <laughs> um, you, uh, you don't have to, but you know, if, if you want, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I'd be very coherent. I giggle a lot <laughs> when I'm drunk. <laughs> Oh, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, we, we, me, me, and my co-host Mac, we, we giggle a whole lot during our our, uh, our discussions. So it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. All right. Uh, so check us out on Facebook under Video Night. We are the spinoff of No, we're not. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. So uh, hold on. I, long day. I've been up for a long time. My eyes are burning. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> let's pretend. Let's start over. Cut. Take two. <laughs> um. Yes, we are the spinoff of Video Night. I don't know why I thought we weren't for a second there. I forgot which podcast I was doing. <laughs> oh, that's embarrassing. It's We Got the Beat, and you'll find all our episodes there. And, uh, hey, guys, uh, if you are in any dangerous zone with a fire right now, uh, best of luck to you. We're It's getting Absolutely. awfully close. I'm getting a little nervous. Yeah. It's right outside yeah, of yeah, Salem, so. Now listen yeah. to the warnings, yeah. kids, so they tell you to evacuate, pack your shit up, and get the fuck out. Leave your movies behind Absolutely. if you have to. Just get your family and your ass out of there. Yeah, totally. All right, and wear a fucking mask. God damn it, you pussies. I, I don't wear a fucking mask. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know why we have to keep saying it. Just wear the mask. We do. I told some guy who's walking towards me at work. I turned around when he I said something to me, and he's coming right at me with no mask on. And I asked him to please pull his mask up, and he goes, I'm shoving up your fucking ass. That's what I deal with almost every day. Jesus Christ, it sounded like he had a fucking seizure. <laughs> like, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> God. All right, uh, before we wander off the ranch too far, uh, have a good night, everybody. Absolutely.